everyone is a star child made of stardust and the infinite potential of the universe. This extraordinary fearless something in each of us clamors for freedom from the bonds of fear, conformity, and an ordinary life. Welcome to Dr. Durr's Living in the Sweet Spot, where practical tools and solutions from the intersection of mind-body medicine, science, and spiritual well-being awaken and empower you to live out your infinite potential, to live life in the sweet spot. There is a spiraling crisis of African-American teachers and male students. Uh, many African-American boys are suspended at higher rates. Um, they're also put, um, actually even kicked out of preschools at, at very high rates. Sometimes they're actually even about 50% of, of, the, of the children that are, um, that are actually kicked out of preschools, which is shocking to say the least, um, uh, abhorrent. Um, at its very worst. And, and many African-American students don't even see a African-American male teacher until high school or even sometimes college unless that African-American male teacher is, say, in PE or in, in you know, industrial arts or manufacturing or something like that. So joining me today to have this conversation is Dr. Lamar Darnell Shields. Welcome. Hey, hey, thank you for having me in the building. Well, actually, I'm not in the building, but I'm virtually in the building. I am here with you. Thanks for having me. Happy Black History Month. Yes, all month, all 28 days, well, really 365 days of the year. But shout out to Dr. Carter G. Woodson for creating Black History Week. It's going to Black History Month. So we're excited about that. Yeah, um, absolutely. And of course, you know, the fact that that we have to have a month mm -hmm. to um, promote and to celebrate uh, our many accomplishments as African-American people um, here in this country um, is, is well, I'm just going to say it's obviously another conversation we need to have. Mm -hmm. but, but but bottom line, African-American history is American history for we get into our conversation. I just want to just take a moment, one, since we're celebrating Black History Month or African History Month, African American History Month, there is, and we're talking about educators. I want to just take a moment to honor some of those Black educators who poured into me because in your in the beginning, you talked about some of the challenges that Black and Brown children have. So some of the educators who poured into me, my first homeboy out of Chicago, Dr. Juwanza Kunjufu, W.E.B. Du Bois, I'm just naming some people who poured into me indirectly or directly who are educators that I want to honor and take a moment because it's so important that we honor our educators, folks who don't get a whole lot of thank yous. You know, they celebrated us during the pandemic, right? You know, every mom and daddy was like, oh, shout out to all the great teachers. I didn't realize how hard you were working. And then all of a sudden, when the teachers exposed the school system, then the mamas and daddies realized that them little trifling kids, they could not teach at home anymore. So, so, so now they want to blame it on the teacher. So I'm always going to honor those individuals who laid the foundation for me before I even stepped into a class. You call the babies trifling kids. 
uh be real clear there's some kids who don't need to be in some buildings let me just say that right there but i love them all but the reality is is that their mamas and daddies are sending the best representation of who they are and the children are just a reflection of what's going on uh in society you know i say that facetiously but people know i love children i love them so sometimes you gotta love the hell out of them you know that right yeah but somebody missed that you gotta love the hell out no, I, I I I heard you. Although here's the thing, you know, how did the how did those babies get that way? Mm. Uh, the house. That's it. What's going Indeed. on at the house, right? Indeed. So what's going on in their families, and what's going on with their parents, or what's not going on in their families, or not going on in their parents with their with their parents, you know? So they they are an expression of uh, the environment in in which in which they marinate. Yeah. Right. Oh, and, and I agree a hundred percent. When I, whenever so, I'm so, coming into so, 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 so hold on, my brother. Hold on. I mm-hmm. want to. I want to do a couple things. Number one, I want to also acknowledge what you were saying about the importance of, you know, honoring the ancestors. Because as um, Maya Angelou says, that when you know when we come into a room, we are never by our, by our, by ourselves. We are never alone. Right. We stand upon the the shoulders of the ancestors, as you've already said, who paved the way and done um, the, the very hard work and made the huge sacrifices for us to be here in the room and for us to be in um, these higher places of education where you and I, uh, where you and I have been, you know, both in terms of undergraduate, but then also going on to get our uh, our doctorate degrees. So before, so I, so I wanted to acknowledge that um, because you know, you you know, you and I how we go, we just be rolling. And so I also want to be able to tell tell the folks, tell the folks who the, the wonderful Dr. Lamar Darnell Shields is, right? So he is a social entrepreneur, a wellness coach, an inspirational speaker, an educator who loves to create and build with purpose. You know, as the founder and senior director of education and innovation at the Combio Group. The former professor at John Hopkins School of Education, Dr. Lamar Darnell Shields, has dedicated his life to inspiring adults and youth alike to pursue a higher purpose, achieve sustainable value for long-term success, and cope with adversity in order to create opportunities in their personal, professional, and spiritual lives. So welcome to the platform, my brother, I'm all those people. Wow. I appreciate. So being in your space is always an honor. I'm always excited uh, to just share whatever information I have. You know, you and I talking, it's like Charles Barkley and Gail King. You know, we can sit up here forever. It's not an interview. It's we're turning the mics on. We are bringing you into this space and you're going to hear a conversation. And that's the beauty of what you've been doing. So congratulations on the success of your show and for all the listeners that are listening to, and we want you to go out and share, not just what I'm talking about today, but all the other amazing guests that you've actually had on the show. Well, thank you so much for that. Um, and thank you for uh, honoring me and and my service. You know, it is, it is my desire to, you know, to awaken, to enlighten, to inspire, to empower, people to live out the infinite potential that they already are. I tell people you have potential only because you are potential. Mm. 
right? So it's not about getting or acquiring something that we are not. It is only really the recognition of who we already are. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I want to do is to awaken people to that, that knowing to that truth. So that when somebody tries to tell you that you're inferior and that you're inadequate, it's like, er! mm -hmm. <laughs> right, yeah. right. You know what? You That's your opinion, but, but, but that's not truth. So you, so that we recognize we don't have to allow other folks to impose upon us, whether they family, whether they foe, whether they're society, but whomever that we don't have to accept other people's opinions of us. So I tell people, you know, opinions, uh, you know, uh, folks are like ice cream, right? There's about a thousand different flavors and everybody doesn't like the same flavor of ice cream. So just because I don't like your flavor of ice cream, don't make it nasty because you don't like my flavor of ice cream, don't make it nasty. So just because I ain't your flavor, don't mean I ain't delicious. <laughs> Look at you. You done turned some dude on who's supposed to be paying attention. He's like, oh, ice cream. I can see some ice cream. You know, brothers' minds just be like all over the place. They they lost the metaphor. They thinking about you with the ice cream right now. I mean, great, great. <laughs> and, and again, we're not for everybody. I tell people that all the time. I'm not for everybody. We try to fit into this, this cog, this whole, this circle. And you're talking about a people who created almost everything on this planet. And we're still trying to fit into these boxes, but we're trying to fit into a box that's a Eurocentric box. I was listening to, to, to Erica Alexander, who, if you all don't know from the Cosby show, uh, from living single to to uh, get out to yes. just a great, great max. Yes. And she talked about how I hate when people label these things, black music, black movies, black film, black cinema. She said everything we do, everything we do, we've created almost everything. But when we allow other people to judge us, through their lens. My work is centered around equity, diversity, inclusion, and belonging. And I'm always talking about how can I help you look at the look through it through this lens, through an equity lens. And she said, we keep falling down this trap where we're wait, waiting for other people to create a standard for us. And we are the standard. We are Correct. the standard. Guess what? Where do human beings originate but on the continent of Africa? So everybody is of African descent, actually. Yeah, and indeed. and what do you do? You take something and you twist it, you 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 turn it upside and put on upside down on its head to try to say it isn't what it is and to try to devalue that which has value. So then the reason you do that, of course, is in order to justify your inhumane, barbaric behavior towards those which you judge as inhumane that's that's all it is i keep trying to tell but we need to understand what the game is because when you understand what the game is then you understand why they say and do what they do to us you know we got the super bowl coming coming up this weekend and i say to people what what's the objective of the game is to score as many points as possible and to keep your opponent to scoring as few points as possible so if that's the objective of the game do you allow the opposing team to march up and down the field unopposed scoring at will do you allow that no you don't so if you understand that that's how some people see us as an opponent as the enemy then they're going to say and do all kinds of things in order to keep 
our, us scoring points to a minimum. There's the things that they do, but there's also the things they say, because what is that? That's trash talking. Because in trash talking, to me, I call trash talking is designed to do the three Ds, right? It's, desi it's designed to distract, disturb, and defeat. So if I get in your head with my trash talking, and I convince you that you are inferior and inadequate, don't have what it takes, then guess what? You will take yourself out the game without me having to do anything to you. So that's that is the purpose. That is the purpose. That is the purpose of the game. So you should. So then we should understand why they do to us what we do to us. Not that there's something wrong with us. Not that there's something inadequate. Not that there's something that needs to be fixed. Except our knowing and our understanding. So so with that, with that, my brilliant, insightful brother, Dr. Lamar Darnell Shields, I want to go ahead and jump into this conversation about what um, our young, young black boys are African-American boys. And that also the teachers are um, experienced because that's the other thing too. By and large, Men compete with, i.e., go to war against other men. They don't do that against women. So again, we should not be in this. Should not be surprised that they come at y'all harder, and in ways that they come at y'all that they don't come at us. So let's go ahead and 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 get into this because, of course, you already referenced the um, the magnificent Dr. Jawanza Kajufu, um, you know, who pioneered, you know, this this research uh, as it relates to to, to young boys. And and actually, the devastating results that that has had upon um, uh, African American men, uh, our households, and our families, you know, and uh, and, and frankly, um, you know, our financial stability uh, and, and wealth. Well, all of that is in line with what I do and what I believe. I am. I am the proud parent of two amazing daughters and one son. And thinking about my children made me come to a stark realization years ago, prior to studying all the individuals that I mentioned, that my children are growing up in a world that has challenged, that has challenged that no other group has been concerned with. Our young black boys are living in a time where homicide is the leading cause of death among young black men. And in most cases, black victims were killed by a young black man. That our young black boys are growing up in a society where black people or people of African descent have been unfairly treated by a criminal justice system that places greater value on white life than black life. Our young black boys and girls fear the police our young black children coming out of the womb have a greater chance of not making it than their white counterpart. So when I say that we are in a crisis, it is real. It is not only affecting the young people that I serve, but it's also affecting the young man that I'm raising in my own household who sees society in that way. And so my, I have dedicated my life. I love children, all children. Let me just say that. 
but I have dedicated my life to work with black and brown boys because of what I just said, is that the likelihood of a black and brown boy having a black male teacher is very, very, very few. I have been, for the last two weeks, I've been giving a talk called Engage Me or Enrage Me, strategy, successful strategies to engage black and brown boys before psychological, spiritual, and physical suicide. Because our young boys don't want to be here because they don't feel that they, they don't believe that they deserve to be here. And so when they have white female teachers, who I'm excited that anybody wants to come with our children. But for the last two weeks, I've been in three schools having these same conversations, providing these strategies for teachers because they they are concerned about our children. But the reality is many of those teachers can get to go home to their neighborhood, pull up in their driveway, get out of their car and not think about the young man that they've left. Not saying that the teachers that I come across are like that. In the beginning, I used to have an issue with other than black folks teaching our kids. But then I realized that we are not going into the profession at a greater rate. And so we need to work with, quote unquote, our allies or others to give them the strategies to support black and brown children. And that's where I've been spending a lot of my time lately. Okay. So a couple things that you, you raised the point. So um, it's, it's at least what 80, 83% of teachers are female and white. Yes. Um, and um, is it 1% of teachers that are African-American males? No, it's, it's, it's probably more because there, there's so many new programs. Call me Mr. Morehouse has a program for black male educators. So the numbers are increasing. I don't have that actual, and I don't like to quote numbers, but it's definitely more than 1%. Okay. All right. So, so part of the, so part of the, the part of the, I'm just going to say part of the problem though, mm-hmm. is when you are a female and you have of a woman's perspective. And if you don't understand boys and frankly, schools are designed to are designed based upon how you educate girls. Indeed. So you already, so and, already, and we treat, and we treat boys like defective girls. So yes, but, but, that, but, that, but that's what I'm, but that's what I'm saying. And as a, as a, as a child, as a child, adolescent psychiatrist, mm-hmm. you know, um, that that is part of the conversation that I'll even have with parents because you need to understand that if the standard is, is a, but you're B, then the problem seems to be B because B is not acting and saying and and like a does, right. Mm -hmm. You know, it would be like, it, it, it would be like, um, you know, if, if you were, um, uh, a pheasant, and um and and then you get attacked by a tiger and you're like but they they're not acting like us they trying to eat us and i'm and i'm not trying to say you know boys are doing anything harmful that but i'm just i'm saying but there's a difference there's a difference in who they are there's a difference in how they're wired there's a difference in how they're in terms of neurologically how their brains are wired um you know the differences in their hormones so boys are going to act different 
than girls. But then you have a standard that's based upon girls being quiet, you know, and the and the and um, girls learn differently. Girls tend to, they mature faster. They can also have certain other skills that they do faster, like acquiring reading skills. And then so when the boys are not keeping up, the boys are loud. The boys are active. The boys are touching mm -hmm. things. Then of course the boys become the problem because you have can have women who don't understand boys who don't understand men. And then you throw on top of the cultural difference, the racial differences of my expecting you to be less than, my expecting you to be inferior, my expecting you to be a problem, my expecting you to be those kinds of things. And then on top of it, you throw on, if they're stressed, meaning the teachers are stressed, mm -hmm. of course, then that, that increases their, um, that increases the conflict that increases their their lack of patience and you know putting the boys out of their class you know the boys getting suspended the uh the the boys getting um and also the higher number of boys that are put in special ed right or the larger number of boys that uh, are not reading because you and I both know the other issue too. Um, and I had a guest of mine on Dr. Connie McReynolds and she's a, um, a psychologist, but she's also a rehabilitation counselor. And so she was talking about, which I, I think is also something that we need to, you know, something that we need to consider. She says, one of the things that why people can have difficulty learning is, is how are their brains processing the information that they hear and see? And if the brain is not able to process that fast enough, then they're going to be distracted and they're going to be getting into other things that may be more considered problematic with their behavior. Right. And they're also not going to be able to read. And, you know, she talked about then for how you need to be able to, you know, as you know, K through two is where you learn how to read. Why? Because after after you learn how to read from kindergarten to second grade, because after that, when you go into third grade, you have to use reading for almost everything you do in terms of your learning, even for math. Right. You got to read. You got reading problems. There's you got to read the instructions. Plus, the, the you know, there's, of course, the obvious um, subjects where it's heavily reading based. So. Um, um, so I, so I, I, I would like for you to, to please, 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 let's, let's talk about that. Well, you know, one of the things that we want to move away from is shifting this perspective from fixing the boys to fostering resiliency. We want to shift that. Dr. Pedro Nguero always talks about in our world, we, we start with the deficit model. And one of the things that I do when I go to schools, I don't want to start with the deficit model because some of the women, many of the women, in particular, many of the white women who are there at the school wanting the best for their kids, there's a the belief that they don't. But I've, I've, I've spent enough time around these individuals to know that they want the best. Um, and so what I typically do is I start from not a deficit, an anti-deficit model. And I ask them questions. So what do you do well with your male students? Now, now, now I want you to listen and understand when we talk about a boy crisis. My my pastor told me a runny nose for a white boy is a pneumonia for a black and brown boy. Symptoms are very different. There is a boy crisis because mm -hmm. boys all across the board are labeled with almost everything. But when you get to the black and brown, those black and Latino boys, 
it's different. So starting out with the teachers, I asked them, you know, what do you do well with your students? Then how, where can you improve? And then how can you strengthen your work with male students? Not because when we start with the deficit model, then we are we are putting it back on those individuals and they're inheriting some things that they had nothing to do with society, you know, how boys are wired, everything that you also said. And then they're teaching. We teach the way that we were taught. We That's natural. You yeah, teach the way that you were taught. And so what I've discovered and my son is very different from my, from other boys that I come across because he has what I say, a very strong emotional vocabulary. He has a vocabulary that's very strong. When you do the math around children that are in poverty as opposed to kids not in poverty, if you're not in poverty, you have a higher vocabulary. There's some truth to that. But then also being around his sisters, being around other uh, other young ladies, they you all use a lot of words. And so one of the things I'm constantly sharing with parents, you have a son, do not give him the bullet version of what you want him to do and then allow him to say it in his own voice when they're young. So I heard you say, Baba or Dad, I heard you say, take out the trash. I heard you say, I need to do these things. What tends to happen with, with, with women that I see more and not saying that men don't do this because nothing is 100% absolute. You layer instructions. You layer instructions, even in the classroom, even with your own partner and your husband. You tell your husband, well, I want you to bring some something home to eat. And then you call back four or five other times. And then the dude's like, man, I don't even know what I'm supposed to be doing. So I'm, I'm just, I ain't even going to come home tonight. I'm just going to stay out. <laughs> I'm going to just deal with that. And so we are we are wired differently. Someone, uh, Michael Gurian, in his book, he said, when when boys and girls are sitting in the classroom listening to the same the same teacher, the same lesson, they're getting the same lesson, listening to the same teacher, they're getting two different lessons. And we know that we're hearing things differently. And so one of the ways that you, we start is asking those strength based practices. I challenge anybody, a teacher, a mom, abuelita, a tia, I challenge you to put on a boy's perspective. Yes. And I want you to take a hard look at your classroom. I want you to take a hard look at the curriculum, a hard look at the decor, a hard look at the staff, mm -hmm. a hard and deep look at the policies and procedures. And then I want to, here's the second part. Now ask yourself, what is turning boys off and what is tuning them out? Yes. So I want you to look at that, even how you move throughout. We put so much pressure on boys, boys who have been raised by mom, they'll say they call them little man, man. That's my big man. He's the man of that. This dude, six years old. What is he the man of? The Legos? Right, what right. Is he the man of his video game? That's a lot of pressure to put on the kid. He's the man. I'm the man of that dude. No, he's he's, the, he's the, the man of the playground. He's, he's the man of his socks. He's the, that, that's it. That's it. And this whole, this whole thing about uh, boys being, girls being more emotional than boys, we know that's not true. We know that's not true because what not. happens is well, hold on, hold on, hold on, before you before yeah. you, before you get into that we, we need to go ahead and uh and and take a break and yes. then we'll come we'll come back and we'll pick up on that having a bounds in you takes you on an inward journey of discovery that dramatically transforms your outward experience of life discover the power of belief Utilize it in connection with science to create a vision of meaning and purpose that pulls you forward. Let go of the meager me to discover the magnificent me. Let go of your painful past and live life free from fear, 
worry and stagnation. Experience an abundant universe as you powerfully create happiness, relationships, health, and limitless opportunities. When you heal your mind, all things are possible. Hey there, I'm Dr. Ballin A. Durr, the host of Dr. Durr's Living in the Sweet Spot. And um, before we went to break, I was talking with my guest, Dr. Lamar Darnell Shields about the spiraling crisis of African-American boys and teachers. So before we went to break, you were saying about basically um, for anybody that's a teacher, but particularly the women, to put yourself in a boy's shoes and say, what uh, what what is it they need? What is what'll be what'll what will benefit them as opposed to coming from a deficit, uh, a deficit perspective of there's of there's something wrong with them. And um, I just wanted to the thing I wanted to say, I think one of the biggest challenges that we all have is number one, if I assume that you're not a human being, that's that's part of the that's part of the difficulty. If I assume that because you're not like me, that, that, that you're a problem. And the other thing I've come to realize that if I say, if I were you, I am not then being you. Because what I'm saying is, is if I have my experiences, my education, my training, my tools, and I put myself in your skin, then that's not me being you. That's me and your body. So, of course, then I can't understand what you're thinking, how you're feeling and what's going to and what's going to benefit you. So. Um, um, so go ahead and, and I, I just go ahead and, and pick up where you were saying about let me if I pick up where you were talking about in terms of if I were you. So one of the things I think is very important is helping our boys develop what I call an emotional vocabulary. And what we what we do with younger kids is we sometimes we give them what we call sentence stems because they get caught in their words. And you all know if, if, if we brought two girls, two sisters in the house and mom and dad came in, what happened with the fight? They describing it to the T. They're like, well, she did this. She had she's describing, you know, the ambiance in the room and what she was wearing. You know, my son coming like, man, someone so hit her and that was it. Very limited. Right. But he got to the point, got to the point. And so helping them develop that emotional vocabulary. And where does that come from? It comes from two, two things. When it comes to reading, we know we, this whole thing. Readers are leaders, leaders are readers. Um, young men, when they see their father's reading, when they see their dad's reading, they get more, they get excited. See, the moms, it's traditional for mom reading, but mom is really reading like magazines and things of that nature. But when they see their, when they see men reading, when their books are the omnipresent, they get excited. Another thing is getting black male teachers in the classroom. It is a significant issue that requires a multifaceted approach. It's not as easy as people think it is. Recruiting and retaining black male educators is critical for creating a more diverse teaching in Ford. We know that the dropout rates from a high school for black boys students after an encounter, listen, after an encounter with a single black male educator decreases by 39% and their college aspirations increases by 19%. So in other words, students so of color, so why is that? So in other words, students of color are particularly black boys respond positively to people who look like them. 
who are leading the classrooms. Let me use my empirical data. I remember going back to my classroom reunion, not as a as a teacher at the school I was teaching at. And I was there with this particular class and this kid uh, who's a grown man. Of course, he's always going to be a kid. And he says, I remember it like it was yesterday. He said, you drove in a black Jetta. It was a stick shift because it was on a hill. I saw you rocking back and forth. You had the <laughs> Gremlin tag on your plate, Gremlin alumni. You yeah. got out the car and I turned to my boys and said, we got a black teacher. That's the words of the mouth of a kid that I taught in the late 90s. Mm -hmm. And so the reality is you you can't be what you don't see. And so when you or, see or, those things, it, but you also can't be what you don't identify with. What you don't identify with. Yeah. And so you're right. So when Cedric saw me, he was like, yo, there's somebody that looks like me. I mean, we don't realize to be male, poor, and either African-American, Latino, Native American is to confront on a daily basis deeply held racism that exists in every social institution. And so when we have an ally, someone that looks like us, when they're sitting in my classroom, like, man, you know, Mr. Shields, you different from Mrs. So-and-so, you different from so-and-so. I think about two, let, let me just tell you this. Sister Soldier, who's a friend of mine, we were on a tour together and we were talking about, this is during the beef between Tupac and Biggie. This It had just happened. Mm -hmm. And she, who, who knows both of them, both, all three are from New York. And she said, that people said, well, why didn't you have a conversation with these two giants? Mm. And she said, I actually did. Mm -hmm. And they looked at me like <laughs> another woman coming between two, i.e. Tupac being raised by Feeney Shakur, his mom, and mm -hmm. Biggie Smalls being read by uh, Miss Wallace, his mom. And mm -hmm. so they hear enough from you all. And so it's so important for our voices. But let me just also say a caveat to that. There's some men... I won't put around a whole bunch of boys because they are they too are struggling in so many different areas. And we do a disservice when we just say, well, we just want a black man in the room. It's like when a sister be like, yeah, Lord God, just send me a man. Lord God, just yeah. send me some. And then when that somebody show up like God, uh, you didn't get the memo. No, you weren't specific enough of what right. you wanted. And so there are also some men who also needs some training to engage our young people. This is hard work because these young people are dealing with so much. When, when I ask a kid, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he says, alive. How you respond to that? Not, I want to be a doctor, lawyer, an mm -hmm. MC. I want to mm -hmm. be a graffiti artist, or I want to be a, a tattoo artist. I want to be alive. Right. And so this thing with our young men are real. So when I walk into spaces, this is almost like I'm gonna sit up straight a little bit. It's like when your mom said, "Man, wait till wait till your father get home." Man, let me just tell you, you run around the house hiding all the belts, extension cords, everything. You get in the bed like pretend like you sleep, uh -huh. or wait till your grandma, or wait till daddy come home, or wait till you. It's something about it's something about men in the hallways in the school where young boys stand up straight, where it's okay to be who they are. But what I do know for sure. And I'm going to mm -hmm. give you some strategies, but one of them is developing relationships. We are relational people. We are relational people. And when, when they say, quote unquote, you feel me, 
-hmm. There has to be a connection. And listening to my son talk about some of his favorite male teachers, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Some are black, some are white, but it's to hear him, it's the same way. It's my hope that my students, who I see now as adults, who share the same sentiment when they're introducing me to their children. And so it is because of Jawan's and Naeem Akbar, Dr. Dr. Ben Carson, before he ran for office. It's, <laughs> you missed that part. Uh, it's people like Jay-Z, no, Harris Warren, no, and Public Enemy who really helped me to see and understand that, that, that the traditional settings are not meeting the needs of boys. Therefore, the goal is, is to shift some things around and help parents as well as educators to deal with this crisis because it has gotten out of hand. So, so let me say this. Number one, you brought up the fact you were talking about institutions. Institutions, you're talking about the institutional racism and discrimination. Institutions are made up of people. So it's institutionalized because it's in the policies and, and it's in the and it's in the it's in the in this in the framework, it's in the structure, it's but it's it's because of the people. Uh number two, um um, I wanted to, to just share with you, there's a family that I've known since my, you know, since my teens and uh, a few years ago, well, I got this understanding about you can't become what you don't identify with. It's not only not see, but identify with, because you can see it, but if you don't identify with it, you still won't believe that you can become it. And um, so one of the cousins who's like a few years older than me, died two of the two of the the younger cousins um they uh one of them stood up at the memorial service and what he said was is um my mom had educational success she'd gone on after she'd become an adult to get her bachelor's degree my aunt had academic success she success she was a, a teacher had a master's degree he said but it wasn't until i saw my cousin go to college and get a degree that I believed I could. And that's when I understood what was happening in the sense of that even when you have successful women in the same household with a boy, because he doesn't see himself as like her, he will not identify with her and her ability to achieve success and think it's the same as his own. And it's really the, it's really very similar to uh, the, 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 the reality and the truth that it's easier to potty train boys when there's a man in the household than when, than when it's not. And, um, I, and again, because not only do you have identity, but you have him like there showing him how to do and there and, and seeing him do and what to do. So, and, and the other thing too, I just wanted to just wanted to state this clearly. Um, I in no way think that, um, you know, all white teachers uh, cannot teach black children. Um, there are many who are wonderful teachers. My son, uh, thank God, have, has had um, many wonderful white women as teachers. Um, and I am grateful for them. <laughs> I was some of them, you know, I'd hug them and say, thank you, Jesus, <laughs> you know, for you. So, you know, anyone 
And, and that's the thing too, that it's, it's the, you know, color of the skin or gender does not mean that you're automatically a positive influence uh, on anyone. There, there's, there's some people you want them miles and miles away from you and miles and miles away of your children, even if they're the same color and the same gender as you. So I, I think that, that I don't think that's what we're saying in this conversation, where again, we're just, we're talking about the issue of, of also of culture, but also, um, again, do you see me as a human being, as deserving um, of education and dignity and respect and the ability to demonstrate, have the greatest demonstration of my infinite potential as you and your children do? And what is your willingness to see me for who I am and to say, I am not like you in terms of my learning style, in terms of my experiences, my traumas, my parents who may have been incarcerated or who may have substance abuse problems, or they're just working so much because they're trying to earn a living to keep a roof over our heads and keep us fed. So, and, and again, do I have some, some, diffi some difficulties in learning or do I just learn differently? And you as a teacher and as an educational institution, are you willing to make adjustments in order to accommodate my learning style and my individuality? And I think that's in general, the difficulty with, with schools, with educational, because me, they were like stuff that was for the fifties, you know, it, do are you willing to accommodate to this child's needs and how they learn right the other thing i see and i and i want you to come back and 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 talk about you know again what you were saying you know what are some strategies for the boys that we need to really get into the also the issue about the the male teachers is also as a child and adolescent psychiatrist both because of of, of my own son um and um, he has adhd uh, and then plus the children that I've taken care of, you know, we have situations where they're coming to see me and, 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 the, and the teachers are making diagnosis. And uh, that's one of those things I get my hips on my shoulders about. I'm saying, you know, <laughs> it's just like, oh, because they don't have a medical, I tell, they don't have a medical degree. They're practicing medicine without a license. Now you can say you observe these things. You can say, I think it's a good idea for your child to get tested, but don't diagnose a child with, with a brain illness right? Or, or, or dysfunction. Um, the other thing too is, is when they, they're trying to get services, trying to get testing, a lot of parents can have difficulty. And frankly, I had difficulty myself getting my son tested, but because I'm a child and adolescent psychiatrist, I know how to navigate the system, right? I'm also a black mama. So I was, so I said to him, I said, and, and it had been apparent that he'd been having you know, hyper and impulsive and then standing up what he eats and that kind of stuff had been going on since kindergarten. But it wasn't until he got into um, eighth grade. I said, let me go ahead and finally have, have him tested and see and see what we need to do. I don't want to rush to put him on medicine or whatever. And it took months that he get back to me. And I'm so I'm calling him up going, hey, what's going on? And and she's in and, and the, the, the woman responds to me. Um, oh, we decide he doesn't need testing. He's just disinterested. And Lord Jesus, if my head didn't spin around and I might have been puking some green stuff out my head. <laughs> but 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 you know, but I but I was like, I said, um, 
the essence of what I said to her was, uh, excuse me, but I'm a child and adolescent psychiatrist. You all are not. How are you going to tell me what my son needs and doesn't need in terms of testing? How are you going to even tell me what is the source of his disinterest in school without testing him? All you know is you can tell me that you think that this is what's going on, but you can't tell me that for sure. And you cannot tell me why. And so, of course, again, I go and have a conversation with the principal because I've established relationships with his teachers and the principals and the dean and everybody else throughout the time he's in school at various schools and had the conversation. I said, you know, number one, I said the same things I said to him. I said, number two, and then I start speaking man language. Man language is I pay over $9,000 a year in property taxes. And so internally, what I'm thinking is, how dare you tell me that you will not test my child? Are you kidding me? When my property taxes go to fund this school. Mm. But <laughs> I, I, I kept that part. But the thing I did say to him, I said, and I said, the other thing that's disturbing for me is as a child and adolescent psychiatrist, I know how to navigate the system. I said, but what about the average parent who doesn't? And I said, I experienced it quite frequently where my parents who want their children to have help, who want to know what's going on with them and, and the schools that their kids are in refuse to test them. Well, you have unpacked a whole lot that I wanted to touch on. I'm not even sure where I want to go, but I want to go back and then come back to what you just said. If I may, you talked about going to college and how your male cousin was more excited to see another male uh, cross the stage unlike you. There is some truth in that. Um, Dr. Sean Harper, uh, who is at UCLA now, a friend and scholar brother, uh, when he was at UPenn, I want to say in 2012, uh, Ballin, he did a report called The Black Male Student Success in Higher Education. It had never been done before. Mm -hmm. He got together over 217 black men, gay, gay straight, uh, poor, rich, single mom, two parents, two men, two women, just a variety of folks. Had never been done. Nobody had ever asked these successful, high achieving black men, how were they able to matric matriculate onto college? Nobody. I read the report, mm -hmm. not just as from a research standpoint, but I wanted to see if my man Sean knew what the heck he was talking about. Read the report, then when asked, after I agreed with it, when asked five of my other brothers. And the one of the, the top thing was about going to college. How did you end up in college? I always knew I was going because my somebody told me, my parents, grandmother, mm -hmm. they always knew. That was me. The second one was we had a friend, a black male friend who had gone away to school. My friend, Stephen Pammon, you can Google Steve, went to Morehouse. Steve came home, was like, yo, Nell, I go to Morehouse. It's an all black school. Dr. King went there, Spike Lee. Then when he told me about Spellman, I was like, now, how do you get in Spellman? So he had already got my attention. <laughs> so what Sean had discovered you was- to, You try to figure out how yeah, to get into I'm, all, I'm women's, to get all women's college. Yeah, huh? all women's college, yeah. And so we experienced the same thing. So 219 men, somebody said from the beginning, oh, you going to college. Didn't talk about pay, how much, how much, like we do now. We start with the deficit model. How much is it going to cost instead of how much the investment is? And then Steve, right across the street, told me what I needed to do. And so then fast forward, another kid in my neighborhood, when I go away, 
he followed the same model. I knew you all went away to school. And so those images are very, very important when it comes to getting our young men in the college. And I thank Sean Harper for coming up with that cert, coming up with that research years ago. Now, what are some things we are definitely know we're misdiagnosing black boys, just like you. It took me a long time to get my son in to 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 get treatment for him to get um, tested. If I had twenty eight hundred dollars, I was straight through the door. Mm -hmm. But this long waiting list and we're going we're going to be going next week. But in but what that means is that I, I try not to put on my research hat like you. I want to stay in the, in the Baba mode. I want to stay in, but then you got to pull up, you got to pull those degrees, you know, all them student loans we're going to spend on. Now we got to let you know what we know. And we don't like to do that. Well, at least I don't as a, as a black educator, I want to focus on just being a parent. And so I too had to go down that same road because we are misdiagnosing our children. I know it. I've been watching it forever. And so here are 10 things I want to talk to my teachers that are out there that are working with young boys. Uh, yeah, 10 we're, things. We're in the, like the last minute. Teaching so. boys, teaching boys by rewarding effort. That's a great thing. Mm -hmm. Teaching them by rewarding effort. Using technology is always a good way. Focus on relationships. I talked about focus on relationships to teach boys. Teach boys by using real life learning experiences. Don't make up some stuff. List real life experiences. Let them move. Let them move around because their minds are constantly racing. Give them hands on activities. Create healthy competition. I said healthy. Tell them why. You have to remind them on a day to day basis why we're doing this. The answers lies within the questions. Inject humor. Man, let me tell you, I know I was funny in class and some of my jokes probably did not land. Mr. Shields, <laughs> there you go with them corny jokes again. In short, number 10 is we must activate their emotional energy. E activate their emotional energy. Pour into them. Don't ask them questions like, what did you do in school today? Ask them questions like, you know, what is something that you didn't know until you left the building? Don't ask them questions about mm -hmm. how was the day? Go deeper. And when you ask them about a movie, which character did you most identify with? Who, if you got an opportunity to talk to a character, what would you say? My kids would tell you, when we, were, we were at church. They had to write three points in the church. We leave the movie theater. We do the same thing. I love the roses and thorns method. When you sit down with your son at home, especially when they're younger, what's your roles? My roles is I got an A in class. What's your roles? I got an extra credit or I got an extra ice cream in the class. What's, what's your thorn? Yeah, I tripped Keisha and... Um, I got sent to the office or I had to stay after for recess. Roses and thorns. Don't just say, how was your day? Help them build their emotional vocabulary to use their words. We used to say it when they were kids. Babies, use your words. And there's a lot of words we can help them. And then this stuff that I'm selling to these about these young boys, if you got a man, you can use this stuff on your man too. You can use the same thing on your partner. And you Believe me, you're going to be like, I could try these with my third grade boy and my third man in my my household. I don't know whatever it is, but I'm telling you the stuff that you want to use to engage them. And they deserve to be loved. Black boys deserve to be loved. But we know that the kid who needs the most love typically asks for it in the un most in the in the most unloving manner. So that's what yeah, I got. I, for you. I, I, I love those suggestions, particularly the ones that um, go deeper, because a lot of times when my son, are, you know, say, you know, uh, 
what'd you do in school today? Not much. <laughs> so you don't get it. So I'm like, gotta, okay, I know. You lead the right. witness. You gotta right. lead the like, witness. Right. I'm like, okay, I know what you didn't do, but tell me some things you did do. It's still mm. he just be struggling to, you know, to 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 really want to talk about whatever happened. Um, so a lot is happening. I just read an article recently when you talk about the issue of racism on black kids. There was an article I read called "The Racism." The racism black kids endure is spiraling into health crisis. This thing is real. You know, a lot of kids during the George Floyd situation, kids have come out, their, their, their complaints were ignored of students using racial slurs, black children getting into trouble for reporting instances of discrimination. It is starting to affect our health and how we live. So we got to be mindful. And that's why I use mindfulness in my new book that, that I wrote around being more mindful and teaching our kids breath work and teaching our kids yoga and meditation. Because again, this thing, that big R, it is real. It yeah. is real. And we got to have some other tools to teach our children. We cannot just allow them to use their hands. We got to allow them to use their thinking first. And to use your words. So again, to the little boys, your use your words. So yeah. to, to address your, to address your point one, um, the reason stress is so harmful to us, chronic stress is so harmful to us because the things we think and feel have a chemical or, or hormone associated with it. And those stress chemicals and hormones, when they just allow to, they just run, 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 run because of a constant stress we experience from racism and discrimination, then those, they start to affect our body. They turn genes on, they turn genes off. So they then they start to over time create illness instead of health. And that's why you see us with these high uh, levels of, of illness like diabetes and high blood pressure because of those those chemicals that are then unregulating those systems in our body, which then again, over time, give us illness. So, you know, um, Dr. Lamar Darnell Shields, you know, he, this is always again how 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 we you know how how we do, and um, um, we need to push the pause button. But I am going to ask you if you'd be willing to come back, and so we can can get into get into the next this this next part this this next part really about you know about the teachers. And I was really mm. wanting to talk about your book also, in terms of your use of it in the classroom because I, I'm a person who meditates. Um, I know how helpful it's been to me. And I've also seen instances where they use meditation in the classroom with the kids. Mm -hmm. They started off with their day and I think they may do it a little bit later on in, in the afternoon before schools. And it had, it's had a, tr a huge impact. Meditation and mindfulness has actually saved my life. And I would love to come back and share the things that I'm using. I am one of those individuals to start out my sessions with my boys with mindfulness and breath work. And I got the videos to, to prove it. <laughs> mm. No, I know I, I I absolutely I absolutely believe you. So <laughs> so yeah, so 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 thank you so much for your commitment and your dedication and um you know your 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 insights and, and understanding like in your own unique brilliance that you 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 bring to um to schools and to the community in, in, in your efforts to uh, 
help us have greater demonstrations of our of our our own wonderfulness and to help us with our healing and to help folks to see to see our humanity and to to understand that we are we are are the same and we are as equally deserving um because we have the same humanity as everyone else yes we do and i agree with everything so again thank you for allowing me to be in your space and thank you for allowing me to engage with your listeners i hope that something i said will move you to action uh, that will bring you to peace and that will remind you of your greatness absolutely absolutely so thank you so much i'm dr Ballin a durr awakening and empower you to live out your infinite potential to live life in a sweet spot see you next week thank you for joining us today in the sweet spot share follow and like us on social media to learn more please visit balinadurmd.com spelled B-A-L-I-N-A-D-U-R-R-M-D.com. Join us next week. And remember, when you heal your mind, all things are possible.